Richie! Hi, Sin! Hi, everyone! And welcome to the episode 227 of the Snack Covenant! Hi! And today, we have a very special guest with us! Introduce yourself, special guest! Ha-ha! I am Dr. Ricotta, I am your nemesis! Actually, no, it's me, Centimeter Worm. Oh. Phew, I got scared there. You know, I was like, Dr. Ricotta. Didn't say they were cover. <laughs> and today is part two of our Hollow Knight podcast with Princess Keppertiller. <laughs> it's gonna be a long one. Today we're going to talk about Hollow Knight with Princess Capitiller. Specifically, we're going to talk about the Radiance, the Void, the Pale King, and how all these things are interconnected. But first, Sin, we have now both played Hollow Knight. You played it on stream, and I played it for a few hours last night. Correction, you have now both played Hollow Knight because I actually played Hollow Knight in the past. I actually remember the first time you streamed it. I remember specifically the night that you were streaming it, I ordered a pizza. Oh, true cultist. <laughs> Worshipping the snack covenant while watching the stream. So, Richie. Yes. Tell me about your experience playing Hollow Knight. I like Hollow Knight a lot more than I thought I would. So, like, one of the things I occasionally sort of bang on about on these podcasts when it comes up is that I don't gel with a lot of um, modern Metroidvania design. I like the the original, like, Metroids and Castlevanias, but the modern ones that, like, we just have so many of now. Um, my issue with them is, like, the area design is basically a series of T-junctions, where in one direction is a dead end and the other direction is the item you need to get over the dead end. And that just seems to be repeated ad infinitum throughout the game. Um, it's like the, the very beginning of the first Metroid where you, you run to the right and there's a thing you can't get under. So then you turn around and go left and get the ball so you can fit under it. And people just sort of, I think clone that over and over again for the whole game. And I find it like really tedious, but um, hollow Knight really sort of, got to me because the first area you go into is a big crossroads that goes in three different directions and it doesn't try to gate you off from two of them you can just explore and explore and explore the critical path is not really signposted at all you can sort of go wherever and just sort of wander and explore sin did do you have any like hollow knight opinions it's much better than I want to be the guy. Oh! <laughs> wow! Hi, Richie here. Sin would just like me to clarify that we're actually both good friends with I Wanna Be The Guy creator, Kayan Nasaki, so when Sin throws shade at the game, it's just a joke and all in good fun. This is in contrast to Sin's actual, sincere opinions, including but not limited to. The Fallout games were complete trash until Bethesda bought them. 
the greatest anime ever made is Katekyo Hitman Reborn, followed closely by MD Geist 2, Death Force. And that Spider-Man's biggest character flaw is that he eats fries in an ostentatious way. We now return to the podcast. So, let's start with the Radiance, actually, because the Radiance is sort of where everything ties back together. Like, the, the Radiance is, if not the source of the conflict, then at least the immediate cause of the conflict that is currently engulfed the land of Hellenest. So, the Radiance was something we touched upon in the first time I was with you. Dahlia talked about the Radiance a little bit. And the comparison was made between the Radiance and the Moon Presence. And that's not even, like, a bad comparison at all. It's difficult to say whether or not the Radiance at one point was a normal bug, because there's a number of ways you can interpret it. This is sort of the case with a lot of the stuff going on in Hollow Knight, is that a lot is left just a little bit ambiguous, so there's room for interpretation. But the Radiance could have been a normal bug. It could have been a being conjured from the the dreams of the moth tribe we know that the radiance was worshipped by the moths as some kind of like deity and it dwelt specifically in the dreamlands its power is connected to light the pale king is also associated with light but the two lights are somewhat different the radiance's light is a blinding blazing fiery light and the pale king's light is associated with, I mean, his primary color motif, which is white or pale. And the lights are subtly different in how they affect the world around the two beings. And I'll, I'll get into that in just a bit. So here we have the land prior to the founding of Hallownest, where the Moth tribe worship the Radiance, a being that dwells in dreams, and all the other bugs in the land are presumably mindless uh, in some capacity. Again, like this is one of those things where it's left vaguely implied, but like the, the Radiance seems to have been a being that did not necessarily uplift any consciousnesses. It may have been created by the Moths, or it itself may have been a Moth that accessed the Dreamlands. And we know that the Moths have had access to the Dreamlands for an undefined amount of time because the seer gives you the dream nail i guess spoilers but at this point it doesn't really matter the seer is the npc that that dwells in a place called the resting grounds which is where a lot of bugs have been buried over the years think of it as like the undead crypt from dark souls 2 it's almost exactly the same in in many ways it's just not as dark uh and it has uh, a nice little glade with a pond the seer is a is like the last living moth. She's the last of her kind. And she gives you an item called the dream nail. And the dream nail's effect is to cut between veils between the worlds. You can use it to go back and forth between the dreamlands. We can't do that, not with the, the nail as it is. If you power up the nail with essence, you get an ability called like dream gate. Uh, you can set a gate marker anywhere on the map, and then by, like, inputting the same command, you can instantaneously teleport to that marker by, quote-unquote, 
cutting through the fabric of dreams. So the moths had access to the dreamlands by using the dream nail. Uh, and you can also like use the dream nail to read the minds of other bugs. You can use it to cut through places where uh, there's a particularly like powerful collection of essence and access like miniature dream worlds, which is how you fight like uh, powered up versions of bosses you've already fought. The false knight can be fought again this way. If you go back there, you can dream nail uh, the body of the of the maggot that was using the armor, and you can enter a little pocket dream realm where you can fight a boss called the failed champion, who is the false knight, but harder. Before we go on, I want to ask you something real quick. I think it's the seer that says, the folk of my tribe were born from a light. It seemed like this sentence was saying that, that the radiance created the moth. Yes. And I think that's a totally valid interpretation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. So the radiance is kicking around in the dreamlands and the moths are worshiping the radiance. And then along comes a being called the worm. So the pale king started his life as uh, a being called the worm, uh, capital T, capital W. And the worm is described as having come to hollow nest I'm saying Hallownest for convenience's sake. We don't actually know what the land was called prior to it, that the existence of uh, of the worm. The assumption is that there are more than one worm, and part of that is based on the fact that, like, if there's one worm, then there's probably more than one. Just a, as a sort of like train of logic to follow, it's also potentially that this is the case because we learn when we interact with the Grim Troop and the, the Grim Troop are one of the, the DLCs that were released. It, they're a big, like, they're sort of a traveling circus and you can do a quest for the leader of the Grim Troop whose name is uh, Grim. Um, and some of the this comes from uh, journal entries in the Hunter's Journal, but uh, Grimm talks about how they, the entire purpose of the Grimm Troop is to go between different lands and feed off of the flames of, like, collapsed civilizations. And when he says flames, what he's talking about is he's talking about a metaphysical kind of energy. The dreamlands are composed of essence. And the, these flames that, that Grimm is referring to seem to be a, a form of essence that is connected to parts of the dreamlands that are referred to as nightmares or just like the nightmare. Because one of the things that you can do later on down the line, if you do this quest for Grimm is you can fight him in the, the, the nightmare version of his lair and you fight him as a being called the nightmare King. So it is assumed that different worms over time have created different kingdoms and that the Pale King is not necessarily unique in this regard. We don't have anything to go on as far as that is concerned other than like logical inference and like the, the existence of the Grim Troop. Because it's possible that other kingdoms were created not by worms, but by like other means. All we know is that Hallownest was created by the Pale King. So when the Pale King comes to, to 
that that land that would become Hallernest. He parks his body in a <laughs> in in the place called Kingdom's Edge. The this sort of like massive corpse. And then from that body he undergoes a metamorphosis. All of his power, all of his like ability, all of his uh kingness or something is condensed down into a form much smaller and much more compact and denser than his original form. During the course of the game, you can find the cast-off shell, which is what it's called. Mm-hmm. You can go inside it and you can find the, the sort of like chamber inside the body of the worm where the Pale King formed as an egg and then hatched from it. Mm-hmm. And it is an egg. It's egg-shaped. So, like, th- this is a, a pretty common motif across the across the board in, in Hollow Knight is the motif of metamorphosis, of things changing from one thing into another thing. Our, our player character, the, the, the knight or the little ghost, undergoes this metamorphosis through the course of the game. Like, as you play, you gain masks to, 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 to increase your, your durability. You gain all of these abilities, and you gain... Uh, a new weapon. So you yourself undergo a kind of metamorphosis, and then by the end of the game, it's, it kind of becomes a more literal metamorphosis in, in some of the endings. So the worm metamorphosed into the Pale King. Mm-hmm. Was the worm anything else before that? We don't really know. We know so little about worms in the first place that like anything could be true. I think one thing we know is that they could see the future a little bit or something. Foresight is alluded to as one of the abilities the Pale King had. The ability to kind of, sort of, see the future. This is another thing that, that is kind of tossed out like in some item descriptions. I think Relic Seeker Lem might talk about it a little bit. The idea that the, the Pale King could kind of, sort of, see the future, sort of, kind of. Uh, but not all of it, and not, like, not accurately sometimes. Uh, but what what ability the Pale King did possess made him a valuable ally to uh, a number of the people that already, like, lived in Hallow Nest. So that would be the Fungal Tribe, the Mantis Tribe, the people of Deep Nest, and the Hive. Those civilizations seem to predate the arrival of the worm. As for, like, where those civilizations came from, or or what spawned them, or how those bugs obtained higher thought, it's difficult to say, because we are also told on numerous occasions that the Pale King was a kind of beacon. He is, he is described multiple times as a beacon. And in fact, like, the one time in the entire game when we actually get to see the Pale King, and, you know, not as a corpse, he is kind of radiating a light around his body. And this light of the Pale Kings is described as sort of being in opposition to the Radiance's light. The Radiance has this, like, all-encompassing, blazing light that kind of overwhelms you, like... It's powerful, but in that power, it kind of subsumes you into itself. And an NPC in, in uh, Kingdom's Edge talks about this. Uh, 
name of Bardoon. He's kind of like this big caterpillar. And he talks about how the Radiance's light offers unity, but sort of like consumes your mind, robs you of higher brain function. Whereas the Pale King has a very different light. It's it's a gentler light. And instead of overwhelming you, it kind of takes you into its embrace and teases out your own ability to to sustain higher thought. And over time, it like develops it. You might be thinking, oh, wow, that seems pretty cool. It doesn't sound like there's any drawbacks to that. And, well, you would think so. So the Pale King shows up and starts rocking around Halonest, uh, or the land that would become Halonest, and he's like, hey, everybody, I'm this cool, hip, new guy on the scene. Come and take a drink of some of my cool, brand new, pale light. It'll give you brain energy. And this, obviously, like, won over pretty much all of the bugs that were given thought by it. So, like, any, any bug that previously was a sort of, like, existing on an animalistic intelligence level was converted to the, the fealty of the king. Let's, let's go with that. But there were other, like, beings in the land there that, that held their own, like, power. So, you know, the Pale King negotiated with the Mantises, who retained control of their own territory, but were kind of like a, uh, I guess, a protectorate of Hallownest. The fungal beings of the fungal waste entered into a kind of alliance with the Pale King as well uh, and valued his ability of foresight. There's a couple of item descriptions that uh, talk about how the, 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 the fungus kind of all have one mind, um, but they also th- thought that the, the, the Pale King's foresight was very valuable, and so they, they allied themselves with him. The denizens of Green Path, which were... Uh, presided over by another higher being, in fact, uh, name of Un, who's like this sort of giant slug. Uh, <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna keep moving on past that. Um, uh, the denizens of Green Path also made an alliance with uh, the Pale King as well, and like the the denizens there are all kind of like these weird moss creatures that all worship Un. And they made an elite, uh, an alliance with the Pale King uh, uh, to sort of enhance their own stake in in the land. But the the Pale King was able to like build roads there and build like uh, structures, uh, you know, make it a part of the Stagway system. If you know, if the Stagway went to where you are, it's very likely that Hallownest had some co- uh, degree of control over your land, right? It's like Rome doesn't build roads to places it doesn't control, right? And so uh, that kept going on. Uh, there's also the Hive, which, who boy, uh, the long and short is that the Hive was supposed to be a much bigger thing in the context of the game, and they ended up cutting a lot of it out, which makes me incredibly sad since bees are my favorite. No. I was actually going to mention a little earlier that one of the cut bits of Hornet's backstory. It, it References to it were cut from the game, but in much the same way that the cut dialogue from the, the third chord in the workshop in Bloodborne doesn't necessarily contradict anything that we're told in game, I'm willing to just assume that this is still like a canon part of Hornet's backstory because 
Nothing we find in game contradicts it. A hornet was supposed to have been like the daughter of three queens, born of Hera the Beast in Deep Nest, raised by the White Lady of the Queen's Gardens, and trained in the art of battle by Vespa, the Queen of the Hive, which is why she's called Hornet. Like her name was a relic of her being trained by Vespa, who was basically just a big wasp. Right. It's not in the game anymore in an official sense, but it also isn't contradicted, so I assume that it's a part of my headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they'll talk more about it in Silk Song. I would love that. That would be great. I would love to get some more like B characters in Silk Song <laughs> that that uh, don't get their their hive cut for time. Oh. So you've got like the Pale King presiding over these civilizations, and even the moths are persuaded to uh, join the the kingdom of Hallownest. Their references and idols to their old god, the Radiance, are sort of washed away, uh, taken down, destroyed. All but one. Uh, one idol, one statue of the Radiance is left at the top of Hallownest's crown, which is a, a sort of mountain peak above the Crystal Peak. But, like, over time, the Radiance is slowly forgotten as the Pale King, who apparently is immortal to some, to some degree, uh, expands his control over all of Hallownest, basically stopping, uh, like, at the borders of Deep Nest. Deep Nest retained a lot of its own autonomy. Mm-hmm. Now, the Radiance is kind of pissed about being forgotten. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what the Radiance tries to do, because it's a a being that exists only in in the dream realm, it tries to start entering the minds of the bugs of Hallownest. Like some of the characters, uh, if you dream nail them, you'll get what appears to be their own thoughts in like lowercase letters, but then you'll see this sort of thought in like all caps. Mm -hmm. And it's like very uh, blunt and, and sort of like, forceful language that's used or it's like you you dream nail an individual and in the the all caps will be dangerous or kill or mm-hmm. or something like that so the radiance starts to try to cause bugs to remember it and when the pale king realizes this he starts trying to resist the radiance's influence and 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 tells his subjects to do the same, um, to like steal steal their minds and resist the the suggestive like force of the radiance's thoughts. Mm-hmm. You ever heard the expression "grass will bend in a wind, but a tree will be felled"? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's in Dark Souls Three, also. Oh boy, our favorite <laughs> games. Um, <laughs> Aside from the connotation that we that we bring to that statement, there is wisdom in that because what the king has essentially done by stealing his mind and the minds of his subjects is created a sort of force for the radiance to keep pushing on. And this is how the infection manifests. So from the very get-go, we are told of this weird infection. Bugs uh, are referred to as like husks. You can see they have weird glowing orange eyes. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of enemies you fight in the game are filled with this orange infection. 
The infection is no more or less than the form that the Radiance takes by attempting to enforce its will upon the waking world to break through the barrier between dreaming and waking and take control of the minds of the bugs of Hallownest by force and, and not just by like dangling like a little light on a stick in front of them like an anglerfish by, by reaching down and like puppeteering them. Mm-hmm. Pale King sees this happening and over time gets a, a plan in his head on how to combat this. And this is where we inevitably come to the void. The void is simultaneously it is a an entity a substance and a sort of metaphysical concept mm-hmm. is it alive if we were to take a diagram right and on the left we have a, an image of like a bug let's let's say for the sake of argument the bug is uh cornifer the little map guy so we have cornifer sitting and humming and we'll be like okay yeah cornifer he's alive on the far right, we have a rock. And we're like, that rock, I mean, there might be microorganisms in it that are alive, but the rock itself, the mineral component of the rock, probably not alive. You know, we can draw a distinction between these two things. Mm-hmm. The void is somewhere between those two things. The void is a substance that sort of manifests as a liquid. Because when we go down to where the Void is, which is a place called the Abyss, Mm -hmm. the Void sort of looks like these pools of black ichor or ink. And uh, we even come to a place where the Void has collected into this massive underground, like, sea, appropriately, called the Sea of Void. And to get across it, we have to turn on a lighthouse. And that's one of the, the things about Void, is it reacts strongly to light by exposing it to light it seems to be rendered inert but the void is also shown to have the ability to affect the mind there are bugs that we encounter uh during our adventure in hollow nest whose eyes seem to be leaking black in the abyss itself at the top of the lighthouse when we go to turn it on the lighthouse keeper who is completely alone, I might add, alone by himself in this horrible abyss, <laughs> apparently just left there. <laughs> He's got these, these like, drips of void coming out of his eyes. And if you dream nail his corpse, you can, you can hear the last, the last thing that, that sort of, that was sort of like on his mind when he was killed or when he died. We don't, it's hard to say whether he was killed or if he died, like, or how the void affected him. What do you think could have killed him if he's locked in a lighthouse? And that's, that's like a question that is really hard to answer because it seems that exposing void to certain beings is like toxic to them. Mm -hmm. We, when exposed to void, like the the liquid substance in in like the underground sea, the sea of void. Mm-hmm. N- nothing happens to us, and the reason for that is because the vessels are beings that are born of void. When, before we turn the light ha- on, uh, if you come near the the surface of the of the lake, it suddenly like lashes out 
like it grows these tendrils and it seems to like it seems to grow these like inky white spots that i guess are like kind of supposed to be eyes so you, it, you i don't know if any either of you have seen john Carpenter's 1982 film the thing of course yeah yeah, so th- I I think of the void as kind of like this weird substance that's sort of like the thing, um, except the thing kind of like has more control over itself. It can shape its body more uh, uh, coherently, and it can make decisions. The void is not capable of that. The void is not capable of any sort of specific guided thought or forming anything more than just like brief flashes of like tentacles. Let me ask you, is Hollow Knight's shade made of void? Everything that we are led to believe tells us, yes, the shade is a creature born of void, and it is pure void. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it has more, like, I guess, agency than the sea of void or whatever. That's where things get interesting, because the vessels were created from void, we don't know how exactly the Pale King did this by mating with the being known as the White Lady. The offspring from that unison are the vessels. The beings that grew out of that unison of the Pale King, the, the White Lady, and the Void itself, the substance, became the beings known as vessels. A completely new form of life. Mm-hmm. It is implied that the Pale King kind of like experimented with the void before creating the vessels in the white palace and i think even in the abyss we find these kind of like molds where it seems like through some sort of alchemical process liquid void was put inside the molds and then it was used to kind of like print you know how you pour molten metal or molten plastic into a mold and then you like print it and then out comes whatever you printed. In this case, the Pale King printed like void constructs. Like I describe them as homunculi. The King's molds are the are the most well-known ones. He just prints these beings in the image of other bugs and puts them in armor and is like, okay, these are my palace guards now. So he experimented with the void before creating the vessels but when he was satisfied with like what he had created he eventually decided okay so i'm gonna try something else now the purpose of the vessels was singular and that specific purpose was to create a living dreaming prison for the radiance the perfect vessel the pure vessel that the king wanted to create would be a being with no mind to think, with no will to break, with no voice to cry suffering. And the Pale King literally like says this in a, in a flashback memory that we get to experience. And it's our own memory. The only way we can experience it is by going deep beneath the abyss itself and going to a place called the birthplace where we find this sort of egg that is implied. It's implied that the vessels hatched from this egg and we being one of them we see ourselves reflected in the surface of the egg and we dream nail it and we get to experience our own memory which seems to have been either forgotten or repressed and it's the memory of us trying to climb out of the abyss to pursue the pale king who has found his pure vessel 
that pure vessel being the being that we know as the Hollow Knight, the being contained inside the Temple of the Black Egg at the top of the Forgotten Crossroads. That being was intended to be this sort of perfect soldier with nothing inside it. And somehow, we don't know how this happened. We don't know how he was able to, like, figure this out. But he figured out that the vessel wouldn't be enough to trap the Radiance. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Dreamers come in. The Dreamers are the three beings that sleep eternally and create this sort of binding that seals the Temple of the Black Egg and prevents entrance to it. The gist is we have the Hollow Knight contained in the Temple of the Black Egg, which it itself seems to be composed entirely of void, because in one of the endings, we can destroy the temple and it just melts into black goo and drains into the earth. And it looks a lot like the void sea that's down in the abyss. So we have the Temple of the Black Egg sealed by the Dreamers and this thing called the Seal of Binding, which is a really important thing and gets its own entry in the Hunter's Journal for some reason. The Weavers seem to have constructed the Seal of Binding. It seems to be some kind of magic that they do on their own. So... Temple of the Black Egg containing the Hollow Knight with the Dreamer sealing it and a seal of binding on all of it to contain the Radiance inside the perfect empty mind of the Hollow Knight, this perfect shell to hold back the infection. Mm -hmm. And it does not work. No, it doesn't. Womp, womp, womp. So I've I've not played that far and does it actually make that sound? (laughs) Yeah, in the intro, when the wow. radiance breaks out of the Hollow Knight, it goes wah, wah, wah. It's good that they added a bit of levity to it, because it's been a bit depressing so far. <laughs> Hi, Richie here. In between the recording and editing of this podcast, I have managed to play through most of Hollow Knight, am on the final boss and just doing some optional stuff before I finally finish the game. Now that I actually kind of know what I'm talking about, you can look forward to Sin Demanding. Doors of Hollow Knight. Benches of Hollow Knight. Lamp posts of Hollow Knight. Venom sacks of Hollow Knight. Corpses of Hollow Knight. Ghosts of Hollow Knight. Weird crystal things of Hollow Knight. Hot springs of Hollow Knight. Pools of Hollow Knight, both acid and water. Abdomens of Hollow Knight. Cocoons of Hollow Knight. Scarabs of Hollow Knight. Colosseum Tears of Hollow Knight. The Pale King went through all of this effort, and it was all undone by a single thing. Love. During the time in which the Hollow Knight was growing up in the White Palace and was being trained and prepared for this duty, the Pale King and the Hollow Knight started to bond. It wasn't something that was planned. It wasn't something that the Pale King wanted. But the Hollow Knight is his child in a very real way. It's hard to know what their relationship was like that we don't get very much. We get implications at most 
But at the end of the Path of Pain in the White Palace, which is like the hardest platforming challenge in the entire game, you get a small cutscene of the Pale King and the Hollow Knight as, as a younger vessel. You get a sequence of them sitting on a balcony and they share a glance. And it's very small and subtle, but it's this very tender moment. And that bonding is described by the White Lady as an idea instilled. She talks about the original plans for the pure vessel. And she talks about how it was tarnished by an idea instilled. And if you dream nail the Hollow Knight during the fight, uh, one of the lines you can get from him is, Father? Question mark. And it's very heavily implied that the Hollow Knight thought of the Pale King as a, as a parent, as a father figure. And that tarnished its supposedly no mind to think, no will to break. It was the Pale King's intent to have this empty thing to contain the radiance. But in sowing the, those, those seeds of like familial trust, the Pale King inadvertently sort of planted a seed of sorts uh, that grew into something that the Radiance could then grasp onto, like a lifeline back to the, the waking world. Mm-hmm. Sometime after the Temple of the Black Egg was created and the Hollow Knight sealed away, Sometime after that, but before the infection started to return in earnest, the Pale King just leaves, and it's never explained why in any form or fashion. If you go down to where the palace used to be, to the palace grounds, you can see this kind of, like, field of rubble. You could maybe assume, well, maybe the palace, like, was destroyed or collapsed or something happened, but it happened overnight or at least it's described as happening overnight, Mm -hmm. where the palace just up and away. By the entrance, the sort of ruined entrance of the old palace, there's the corpse of a king's mold, and uh, it's protected by a a very powerful dream shield, and you have have to empower the the dream nail with a lot of essence to to cut through it. And, And when you do that, you can enter another pocket dream where the white palace is. And now here's the question that we don't have an answer for. Is it the real White Palace? Is it a, like, dreamed-up version of the White Palace? Or is it, like, some weird combination of the two? Because some of the rooms seem like they could have been part of the White Palace, and other rooms are massive buzzsaw death pit traps. Right. Like, the vast majority of the, of the White Palace is buzzsaws and thorns and spikes, and I'm just like... Maybe the Pale King really liked Super Meat Boy, so he wanted to decorate. That seems what people seem to think. Like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even joking! There there are people that make arguments for the, the White Palace being real because it makes sense that the Pale King would do something like this. Sin sent me a video about, like, the Hollow Knight itself, and there's, like, there seems to be a fair amount of people who say that the buzzsaw traps and everything were like a training course for the Hollow Knight, that they were just forced through that over and over again to sort of sharpen themselves. I like that interpretation. Generally speaking, the game 
is fairly video gamey in how it like creates its environments, but there's a repeated attempt to contextualize environments as feeling like relatively organic. Yeah. The White Palace is the singular exception to this. Also, we we find it in a dream world. So like I would be partial to like a compromise on this idea. Did the White Palace contain a training course for the vessels? Almost certainly. Like some kind of training course filled with buzz saws and spikes and stuff that the vessels are just fed into like a meat grinder. Like Sen's Fortress. Like you have to exactly. be able to make it through Sen's Fortress before you're worthy of going to the next phase, basically. Yeah, precisely. I think that that probably existed. Did it exist in the form that we encounter it when we go to the White Palace? Almost certainly not. Just because the White Palace is so convoluted and so surreal. The biggest thing about it is that it is surreal. There are entire stretches where it's like, you could not even enter this place. Like, as a, as a regular bug, as like one of the retainers of the Pale King, you would not be able to get into this palace. You would not be able to fly there. There's no path leading in. You would just get chewed up by buzzsaws. My interpretation of the White Palace is that it is a construct in the dream realm that is designed to be a metaphorical representation of the Pale King's own mind. This, like, twisting and labyrinthine maze of sharp edges and thorns and, like, mercilessness. The entire White Palace is kind of like a characterization of his own mind, and that, to me, is what allows the Path of Pain to make sense. Right. Because the Path of Pain is like a, a super repressed memory that the Pale King has repressed under all of this sharp metal and spikes and horrible, horrible death so that he doesn't have to remember that fondness that he had for his own creation. At the end of the White Palace, we do actually find his corpse. It's made clear that this is the Pale King. And part of the reason for that is because he has half of a charm, that half of it is given to you by the White Lady, and he has the other half. Um, it's almost undeniable that this is the Pale King. And the last thing that we ever get, the, the only bit of dialogue that we ever really get from the Pale King himself, besides no mind to think, no will to live, no voice to cry suffering, if you dream nail his corpse, you get four words. No cost too great. In his essence, that is the Pale King. Very Lawrence. Yeah, he, he is very much a Lawrence-type figure. If we could dream nail Lawrence's head in The Hunter's Nightmare, the four words would be like, I am so awesome. <laughs> it's hot in here. <laughs> I miss my room. <laughs> ow, 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 ow. This blood empty, yeet. <laughs> Richie wrong yet again. Oh, God. That was Discussing Hollow Knight with Centimeter Worm Part 2. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yay. It was a pleasure to have you. I had a good time. Same. Princess Capertiller, 
Where can people find you on social media? Oh boy, um, I'm on Twitter at Centimeter Worm. I don't go on there much because Twitter is spooky. Um, and uh, I have a Twitch account, which is twitch.tv slash Centimeter Worm. I've been streaming a little bit uh, lately. I've been thinking about doing some like uh, afternoon type mid uh, middle of the day streams, uh, and I would like to start doing a Dark Souls 2 SL1 run sometime soon. Uh, I also have a YouTube account, it's just Centimeter Worm, and I have some stuff on there already. Excellent! Well again, thank you so much for coming! Thank you for having me, this is always super fun. Thank you, Richie! Thank you, Sin! And thanks everyone for listening! See y'all next time! Bye! Bye! Ah, I am Dr. Ricotta, I am back again! <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.